This is Jerry Rice. You're listening to FFB on Rap. Thank you, Jerry. What's going on, guys? This is Perry Aston. You're listening to Fantasy Football Unwrapped, joined by Adam Stark and a special guest, Joe P. Sapia. Adam, say what's up. What is up, guys? Another day, another podcast. Another day, another dollar, another podcast. Joe, what's going on, my man? Thank you so much for joining us. Author of the number one selling fantasy black book series, host of the Fantasy Black Book Pod, Fantrax, host of In This Ring Wrestling Pod. Also, he also hosts the Line Star App Pod, King in the North. He is a busy man, but the number one thing that stands out for me, I love that fantasy black book. So, Joe, what's up, my man? Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for the kind words, and King of the North works for me, man. Yeah. You, you just hit it right on the head. I love that. I hope it works out better for me than some of the previous ones, that's for sure. But uh, I'm happy to sit around and talk sports with you guys always, and appreciate the Black Book love, and I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, and for you guys who don't know about the Black Book, I was going to have Joe kind of explain it for you guys a little bit, but I am going to be doing a giveaway for the Black Book. We're going to be getting a copy from him and sending it to a lucky listener after this episode. So we'll be coming up with a little contest in regards to sharing the episode and giving some love to us and Joe, and we'll be able to send you a copy of the number one selling fantasy Black Book before the draft so you can get your mind right, you can get your draft right, and get your season right started with the Black Book. Before we jump in talking about your Black Book, just want to remind our listeners to listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the Apple iTunes podcast app. Make sure to leave us a review if you're on Apple. Much appreciated. You can also follow our Twitter page at FFB Unwrapped. Follow me at Perry Aston. Follow Adam's Twitter page at Everyday FFB and our special guest Joe at Joe Pisapia 17 J-O-E-P-I-S-A-P-I-A-17. So, Joe, let's hear about the Fantasy Black Book. Give a little breakdown for my listeners and a little bit about what you do personally. You know, the Black Book is basically something that I started now. I'm dating myself, dude. I'm dating myself, Barry. It's 10 years now. This next year will be 10 years since the first Black Book. So this is year nine. That's awesome. Uh, this is the 14th Black Book that will be coming out now between baseball and football over those nine years. And it started out as me just having something to say, and I thought I was going to sell like 50 books or something. I had written for a couple websites saying, you know, something I'm really passionate about. I always had a good head for it, and I had a system that it worked for me. I thought I could share it with people and stuff like that. And I got hosed by a couple websites that I was working for. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to put all this stuff in there and the big crux of his relative position value. And the very first one back in the day on Amazon when they first really started with Kindle stuff went to number one in fantasy sports because there really wasn't much there. And I was like, wow, look at this. And then people wanted it the next year and the next year and just kind of grew organically. And what I'm trying to give people is an alternative to what's out there because right now there's so much content that's basically handed over. 20 years ago in fantasy sports, it was hard to like get an advantage. You had to really go and work for it and things like that. And now everything is basically spoon-fed to everybody on every host site. All the news, all local news is all worldwide news now, so it doesn't matter. So what can I give people that's unique, that's different, and a different perspective? And that's relative position value. And what that is, is a very simple way of looking at the talent pool. Everybody loves rankings. And rankings are fun, debatable stuff. But really, they don't help anybody because they're basically well-informed opinion. But how much better is Devontae Adams than, say, Antonio Brown this year, potentially? And and what's the drop-off? Tiers are great, but can you actually quantify those tiers? And that's what relative position value does. It gives a percentage where it compares the top 12 RB1s to each other. You know exactly what the fantasy league average is. The guys who are above that and below that. And at the end of the day, fantasy is simple. It's about me outscoring you or outproducing you as often as I can from as many spots as I can. And if I can do that consistently, I'm going to have success. And that's why people love RPV. And 
look, I've never had a major site behind me. I've never had anything. It's all been an independent thing. And I bring in some great people to contribute to it the last couple of years. And it's really grown the product. And people must be having success with it because we were ahead of Tom Brady's book for two weeks in football books wow. on Amazon last year, which was wild, dude. That's crazy, man. And Out of the TV 12? Tom, Ooh, that was Tom, my hero. My Tom hero. Brady Tom was Brady. Good. I almost felt guilty because I'm such a Tom Brady mark anyway. And I was like, wow, look at this. I had to do the screenshot, the whole thing. Yeah, and I had to take Foles, too. That jerk who won the Super Bowl and beat us that year. But whatever. So it was, it was exciting. So. <laughs> that is crazy that the book blew up like that, especially topping Tom Brady's book, which was really popular. Which is insane, first off, Joe. I celebrated with an avocado ice cream. <laughs> you sound like a Californian right here. Avocado toast all day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you so much for sharing that with us. When we jump into today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit of Doug Baldwin looking like he's retiring, how the Seahawks fantasy outlook is really going to start looking for this season after Russell Wilson signs that massive extension that we spoke about on the last podcast, Adam and I and another guest. Twitter poll results because we decide which is better between PPR, half-point PPR, and standard. We ask you guys what you think. So we got the results here, and we can throw out some rankings, but I know Adam and I did ours last week. I know Joe's got his black book, so we'll see when we get there if we decide to put out some personal rankings or just force you guys to look at the black book. We're going to start with Doug Baldwin retiring, and I know prior to the podcast, Adam was excited to talk about it, and Joe couldn't care less to talk about it, (laughs) but underappreciated for his entire career. And has definitely performed when he has been on the field. Hasn't missed as many games as people actually expect him to. But he's had a ton of injuries. From the knees to the shoulders, sports hernia. So with Doug Baldwin now being out, looks like his career being over. And the Seahawks fantasy situation looking questionable. Adam, give me a little bit of love about Doug Baldwin. I know you were talking about him earlier. Underappreciated, two-time Pro Bowler. Played with the Seahawks his whole career. Yeah, I think obviously the guy who's really going to benefit from this is Tyler Lockett. I mean, it was shown when Doug Baldwin was absent last year. He really took off. I mean, granted, he averaged about a touchdown a game, which really helped him out. But I definitely think Doug Baldwin being gone, DK Metcalf coming in, Tyler Lockett's going to be Russell Wilson's guy. DK's going to be there for maybe those big plays every now and then, or maybe that red zone threat. And I think it'll even be good for Tyler Lockett. I think he'll be able to take a little pressure off him. And I think he'll really excel in this new number one wide receiver role. So I think Doug Baldwin, he was a great player, kind of a sad story or sad ending to a good story. Right. He was undrafted, probably one of the best undrafted wide receivers I could think of. Some of the other guys are like Wes Welker, Josh Cribbs, you know, Drew Pearson, but Doug Baldwin a couple Pro Bowls, eight years in the NFL, he did good. It's definitely a great career for Doug Baldwin. There's no doubt about that. Making the most of his opportunities. He had some monstrous second halves in fantasy football for two straight years there for that run when Wilson really kind of was just getting his feet under him. You know, it's unfortunate. I don't think too much changes or impacts because last year, even when he was on the field, he might as well not have been on the field because he was just a shell of basically what he was in the past. So uh, looking ahead, it's just more Tyler Lockett. I don't know how I feel about DK Metcalf still. I'm still kind of on the fence there with him. I think it's David Moore too, another guy who had a lot of good moments last year, and I could see him continuing to grow in that role. And if you ask me, like, where's the draft capital? I'll probably have more David Moore shares than I will DK Metcalf shares. I'm just a little worried about the DK Metcalf kind of thing. You saw him fall in the draft, right. and I'm just worried that he like, becomes like David Boston 2.0. <laughs> I don't know if people remember him or not, but this was a guy like in the late 90s who was just like absolutely just jacked up, man. He looked like a beast, and he was this giant wide receiver for the Chargers. He never quite really became what everybody thought he could be. He was more a physical specimen than a football player. And I'm not saying 
that's Metcalf. I'm just saying, in year one, I'm just looking for Lockett and David Moore. I think that's where probably the target share is going to mostly go to. Yeah, I think David Moore is really interesting. I like that you brought up that name because he did have a couple of good spots last year. And Russell Wilson's the kind of guy that's going to find whoever's open. So whoever is in that receiving core is going to benefit from Russell Wilson's IQ and the fact that no matter who's around him, he's going to make it happen. Look at the awful support he's had in the last few years and still found a way to put up solid fantasy years. So with Baldwin, we already chimed on it. Eight seasons, all with the Seahawks. Two-time Pro Bowler, 493 receptions, 6,563 yards, 49 touchdowns. Fantastic career, like you said, undrafted. Great story. Let's move on to some boomer bust candidates for this season. And we'll start with Boom. And I know that Adam and I agree on one of my guys with Juju Smith-Schuster from one of my boom guys. We'll start with Joe before I list mine and go to Adams. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, right off the bat, somebody that I was just having discussion about on Black Book and doubling down, basically, and that's Kenyon Drake. And it's because I feel like Adam Gase, just for some reason, just he hated used him. to kind of, I don't know what it was, but you know, you watch Kenyon Drake run, and he's got explosiveness, he's got playmaking ability, he can catch the football, and I keep thinking to myself, what's wrong here? And I was all in on him last year, and I was disappointed, yeah. and I'm doubling down this year. The guy's on a contract, which means that, for better or worse, they're basically going to, I think, run him into the ground. you got Frank Gore gone now, which is great. I don't think anybody's really going to challenge him for the role that he has right now. So if he gets out of the gate really well, I think he could have a really good season. We're talking like a very strong, high-end RB2, possibly even low-end RB1 type wow. season, potentially. That's that in PPR, especially. I just think that much of him, especially when you have a young quarterback like Rosen. And I'm also not buying any narrative like, oh, Rosen has to earn the job. I mean, come on. I mean, do we really have to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick play football anymore? I, mean, I just... <laughs> I love the beard. I love the gimmick stuff. It's great, but I mean that's not what you dealt him for. You, right. you went, you made a deal for Rosen to play Rosen. So right. the best thing you could do is to give him a running game because the wide receivers are still kind of in the mediocre range. Stills are still nice and stuff, but they, they don't have anybody who's really going to be a playmaker on that team except for Drake. And I think you got to get him the football. And the fact that it's a contract year and a walk year for him, I think, is a huge one. And I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense. And I think that that's a good thing for fantasy owners in terms of volume. And I like that you said PPR especially run this passing game from out of the backfield for Rosen checkdowns are going to be the key to his success and I think yeah I think tight ends and the running back being a receiver are going to be the only reason why he gets comfortable in Miami I think this team is just going to get better and better and better and worst case scenario if it doesn't work out with Rosen they're in a position to tank again and find a way to get Tua Tagalova Justin Herbert so I wouldn't be surprised to see if it doesn't work out them to scrap it all but I really think Rosen who's a competitor is going to take the most of this opportunity and do enough oh yeah and you've got to play him to find out right. you know because if you are going to be bad again and luckily the, the draft capital they spent was kind of a joke Nothing. to acquire a guy who Nothing. was a top five quarterback prospect overall the previous right. year right. think about it now they're all in the AFC East all five of those prospects from 2018's draft they're all in the AFC and three of them are in the AFC East now between Darnold Allen and Rosen which is kind of wild when you think about it that is crazy I didn't even realize that yeah, I didn't realize that either now I'm thinking about it. I'm like wow that's why I come on and I and then, say words that's and, what I do and then, you, and then you have Tom Brady who's there giving out candy yeah he's giving out candy to all the other quarterbacks in the division that's hilarious at least you know he can write a book not as good as the black book though sorry that's TV. right Tom sorry TB12 sorry my man don't we'll listen to... I still love you Tom I still love you <laughs> we, all, we all do <laughs> 
Adam, let me hear some of your boom guys going into this season. It's going to kind of sound like a little biased opinion, but I can back it up. I'm going to go with Carrion Johnson. I think he's just poised to have a great year. Now we know he's the guy. He's not dealing with Garrett Blunt, Theo Riddick, all these other guys. We know this guy, Carrion's going to get the ball. He's going to get the touches. So I think he can definitely excel. The Lions went out. They drafted TJ Hawkinson. He's a great pass-blocking tight end. I think he's going to be starting day one. They're going to work him in easily. And I think he's going to be more of a blocker than receiving tight end his first year. So I definitely think Carrion Johnson can make a big leap. I definitely think he can be a top 10 running back this year if he can just get the opportunity, the chances, he touches. He's poised for this top 10 run. Well, under Matt Patricia this last year, regardless of how they played, at least they ran the ball. You know, at least they showed that this is a team that isn't going to ask Stafford to just do everything. They were going to at least have some sort of a balance in that offense. If they continue that way, especially with a new offensive coordinator, I really do see a potential for on Johnson to have a great year as well. It's just really, for me, I'm worried about his injuries already. Even though it's his second year, I already know that he has injury history. But that is a guy that if you were able to get a good draft capital on, he could be, like you said, that James Conner of this year, you know, in regards to people that didn't expect to be a top 10 running back, but he also could completely fall out and only play eight to 10 games. The guys that I have, Dalvin Cook and Juju Smith-Schuster. Dalvin Cook because of that new coaching staff and John Filippo, who absolutely hated him and hated running the ball, even though he says he wants to run the ball, finds a way to completely suck out any kind of talent of the running backs behind him, which is another reason why I'm worried Leonard Fournette, on top of plenty of other issues that he's presenting to the table alone, that he's a big bust candidate also. Oh, you stole mine. That was my guy. There we go. (laughs) That was just kind of foreshadowing. But at least for Dalvin, you know, there is no Latavius Murray. He's not there anymore. And Dalvin Cook clearly started playing better when DiFilippo got fired. So I think Dalvin Cook is going to benefit from the Vikings having another year under their belt with Kirk Cousins, with him having a lot to prove after underperforming with an awful offensive line last year. Like I said with the offensive line, them actually getting a couple people to go and now fill those holes, which is solid. And Juju Smith-Schuster, another guy that... I think it's an obvious one to anybody out there watching football or playing fantasy football that he is probably the most intriguing wide receiver in regards to how he was last year just because of what happened around him. You can see AB now is playing with John Gruden in Oakland and it looks like Juju is poised to take that number one role but is he able to handle the double teams really perform when there's Dante Moncrief and Washington to your left and your right I don't know if that's going to be enough I don't know if he's going to be able to create enough separation throughout the year to put up top 10 numbers but he has the opportunity to be a top five wide receiver in fantasy football if everything does go right for Juju Smith-Schuster so those are two guys that actually do have a little bit of bust potential in there but have extremely high ceilings for this year so those are going to be my two guys joe i want to hear your bus i'm sorry for stealing your leonard Fournette one right off the bat but wanted to kind of hear you elaborate on your bus no it's nice to hear i'm not on an island we're on the same page it's funny because fantasy football you guys will attest to it too there's a big group think and some of the higher end folks and some of the big websites will construct adp and do all these things and what happens is everybody 
just falls into this group mentality about a player. And Leonard Fournette ranking right now is still way too high for me personally to get involved with. Yep. And it's funny because I took a lot of heat in the Black Book a couple of years ago that C.J. Anderson was not in our first round. He was not in our second round that year after. Remember they had that big year in Denver a couple yep. years back? Yep. And it was like, nope, he's not in our first round, he's not in our second round. People were like, what are you saying? This, this, this is trash, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, we looked pretty good. And then it's funny, the year Todd Gurley basically was MVP, we had him all the way up in top five overall again, year over year, even after the terrible year. People were like, what are you, crazy? He was terrible. And I'm like, Jeff Fisher's gone. You don't understand. <laughs> like, it just, you That's know, a big thing. Right. You know, he was our pick for fantasy MVP that year. And people thought that was like, being ludicrous or we were like you know trying to get attention but it's not this is a thought process and the same thing with Fournette there's a group think that thinks okay everything will be fine or you know they, they all fix all the issues or he's out of the doghouse all kinds of issues with coaching all kinds of issues with the staff and the ownership guys there he's had nothing but injury issues since college then he showed the same thing in the pros I just don't understand it and this idea this concept that somehow Nick Foles God bless Cinderella but somehow <laughs> Nick Foles is the cure-all for this offense I don't understand it I don't see Almost anybody you throw out there is going to be better than Bortles, but how is he not facing eight in the box? And how is Fournette really going to overcome all that? And I'll tell you what, we're probably the only publication that does this. We break down format-specific chapters now. Like, we're not even doing, like, a draft strategy section. We're doing entire chapters on just PPR, on right. just standard, on just Superflex. So you can really dive in and see the difference. And Nate Hamilton and I kind of worked on those together. And we've got, like, a whole four-round mock about core building in each one of them. And in none of them is Leonard for Neko in those first four rounds because right. he's not a good core piece to build a team around and that's the big purpose around that so we'll take heat on it but at the end of the day I think we're going to be right I really do agree and beyond the fact that he's got injury history and a lot of coaching issues there he just got arrested he has so many off the field issues the guy doesn't have his head in the game, let alone his knees in the game. So <laughs> we're going to see how that one plays out this year. But the Jaguars are a big question mark. They can rather win six games this year or they can win 12. I don't know if there's an in-between for them, at least from what I can see right now. It's really just letting the pieces fall. Adam, let's hear your bust candidates for this season. I'm actually going to take a bit of a turn on this boomer bust take. I'm going to say Kyler Murray. He's either going to boom or he's going to bust. And I think a lot of people might be on with me with this take. I think he's going to come to the NFL, no tape on him, running quarterback. He has the full potential to get those rushing touchdowns, rushing yards, and to boom. But then again, defenses can outsmart him. I'm sure coaches will be able to outsmart him. He's a young guy. They'll be able to put pressure on him. And he's fragile and didn't face a whole lot of pressure when he was in college. So all it takes is one nasty hit from a blind side and that's a lot of fear in him when he's dropping back looking so I definitely think he can either ride out on a boom become even a top 10 quarterback I know Brad Evans has him really high a lot of people think he's going to be more of a top 15 type guy but I definitely think he has the potential to be top 10 or even outside of the top 25. I'll tell you what, I, I basically have been fighting with Jake Seeley because I do the quarterbacks in the book, and Seeley's kind of like mid-range about Kyler Murray, and I'm negative for a lot of the same reasons, too, is I just feel like it's not a knock on his size, it's not a knock on him, it's a knock on the offensive line. It was the worst offensive line in the league, right. and I don't see how they got markedly better year over year. The young quarterback had thrown him out there with a terrible old line. It's one thing when Russell Wilson is running for his life when he's got four or five years in the league. Right. It's another thing when he's throwing a rookie out there. I don't know, man. I just can't get behind that right now. It's not any sort of redraft single quarterback league. You want to talk about him as a QB2 in Superflex, I'll listen. But I'm sorry, man. He does not make my top 12 at all. And, and relative position value is not kind to him either because of the O-line. They have put a lot of 
little gadgety people around him. And with Cliff Kingsbury, it's an intriguing piece. It could be a boom kind of project because of the fact that it's going to be so offensive-minded. But like you said, Joe, that offensive line that's really questionable and really how David Johnson plays, in my opinion, because if he becomes that number one guy again and they can become a offense with a really nasty play action and deep bombs, air raid, if they can find a way to incorporate that, it's going to work. But if they are going... Air raid, air raid, pass, pass, roll out Kyler Murray, roll out Kyler Murray, trying to involve David Johnson in the passing game, but rarely in the running game. It's going to be a one-dimensional offense as well. So regardless of what people think of Cliff Kingsbury being an offensive guru, it's really just seeing how this all works year one. Like we said, Kyler Murray, it's his first year. The O-line hasn't taken a ton of improvements but the receiving core most definitely has. And I have a bust candidate that kind of hurts my soul to say as a Cowboys fan, Amari Cooper has the potential to be a bust candidate. <laughs> you and I candidate. are all over. I can't believe you're like naming my guy. There like, we go, man. That's that's, that's, <laughs> that's that symmetry right there, man. I love that. But yeah, for me, I have to keep it real. Even as a Cowboys fan, there is a big bust potential for Amari Cooper. And like you said, I guess we could take it that same way that you just did, Adam, where you kind of did a different take. This is kind of both. He has a massive boom potential potential and massive bust potential because of the fact that he was one of the league's top wide receivers after joining the Cowboys, if not the league's top wide receiver. He had 38 PPR points in weeks 12 and 49 PPR points in week 14, which is insane. Even if you exclude his six-game run with the Raiders, which he saw a total of more than 20 yards on four different occasions, Cooper's nine games with the Cowboys were also kind of busty as well because the fact that his 158 PPR points were just so grouped together, he scored it as a member. 55% of those points come in the two games that I just mentioned. So more than half come in these two massive blow-up games. And you got to give credit where it's due because those games are out of this world. He is just outperforming everybody on the field and he's making Dak Prescott look like a hell of a fucking quarterback. Let me get that straight. But when you take those two games away... It's just an average receiver. So I'm worried. But Cooper was able to play that way with them last year, coming in fresh to a new playbook. It could be even better this year. So there is big boom potential there. But you need to hear it. Real quick about Cooper, too, because I think you're nailing. I think you're absolutely right about him. And and if you can get him as a wide receiver, too, somehow, I think you're loving life. Or like as a tandem of ones, because he does have that ability to win you a week. And I think people forget about that sometimes. I actually play in a roto football league that's super competitive, where it's statistical, you know, things like, you know, cumulative yards and cumulative. It's IDP, too, in that league. It's it's super complicated, but super fun. But in your just regular run-of-the-mill fantasy league, on a weekly basis, he is one of these guys who will not show up for three weeks at a time and then show up and win you a week. And that's fine as like a wide receiver too. Right. You keep rolling him out there for the upside. But the problem is like if you're relying on him as your one, especially in PPR formats, I think that's a big mistake. And I think it's not about owning Cooper. It's about how you own Cooper and how you responsibly do it. <laughs> I think that's the problem. It's like some people will see him and they'll say, oh, he's had the full offseason with Dak and that's going to cure everything. And some people could have, you know, blame it on Derek Carr in those Oakland years. You could blame it on Cooper and say it was a concentration level thing sometimes where week to week he wasn't in it. But this is going to be a very telling year because he does have the whole offseason with Prescott. If they show a consistency level in the first couple weeks, I think that's great and something maybe in the future in keeper leagues and dynasty you can build upon. But I just to have him be your standalone one, it would be a little scary for me. In me PPR too. Leagues. I completely agree with you. And I think I have the same feeling that I have with A.J. Green. 
You know, it's... Oh, would, 100%. Oh, he's the other culprit. Yeah, I would love to have him as my number two, to be honest. I, he's number the AFC, Amari Cooper. Yeah, there it is. So. <laughs> 100%. I think and yet the other guy, good. Tyler Boyd, I absolutely love. And I feel like people kind of missed Tyler Boyd's season last year. Love This him. was a guy with a ton of talent, and then he had some injuries, and then last year, over a 1,000 yards and over half a dozen touchdowns. And as long as Adrian Green is on the field, Tyler exactly, Boyd is going to yeah. be cheaper, and that's think, phenomenal. Do you think you need A.J. Green to be on the field to have Tyler Boyd himself. It makes me feel much better because that single coverage does. Right. So I'm, I'm rooting for A.J. Green to stay healthy because of all the Tyler Boyd shares I want to have this year. <laughs> that's, that's my goal. <laughs> no, I agree. Tyler Boyd definitely put up a great year last year and a few of those games without a competent quarterback, without Dalton there too, and he still performed pretty well. So Tyler Boyd's a guy that really outperformed, I think, a lot of people's prediction last year. Do you guys have any other boomer bust people that you guys want to bring up before we move on to a little bit of draft strategy? You want me to really stir the pot? How about Aaron Rodgers? Ooh. <laughs> How about that? And the reason is, again, it's not because of the talent. He's a Hall of Famer. But in single quarterback leagues, he is still an elite quarterback, but he is, he's right to me. He's still behind Mahomes and Locke right now yep. for a few different reasons. And... It is a new coach, it is a new system, and he's been playing in this other system his entire career. And no matter how much of him McCarthy want to fight and how much we want to all of a sudden poo-poo on the way out, oh, Mike McCarthy, if you watch those games that the Packers play, you'll see him audibling constantly. Yeah. And you know what? Like We can blame Mike McCarthy all we want. A lot of it's on Aaron Rodgers, and I always put it as a 50-50 split in terms of blame last year for what went wrong. Getting banged up a little bit, he's still a master in terms of controlling the offense and in terms of not turning the ball over. You love that about Rodgers. But in single quarterback leagues, when you're looking at other guys out there that you can get now at such a deep position with the Mayfields coming on and even the guys like Brady who are still hanging on and Brady's still going to throw for 4,000 yards. He's still going to throw for probably close to 30 touchdowns. Right. You don't need to necessarily reach for, I think, the name value of what Aaron Rodgers was five, six years ago or even three years ago because he's not going to run as much as he used to. He's not going to be quite as dynamic as he gets older. And that's something people have to realize. And I feel like he's still on name brand value. going to be overdrafted a little bit in single quarterback leagues, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like taking NyQuil or the CVS brand of NyQuil. Right. And I want the Green Death NyQuil. I want, I want the, I usually want the Green Death NyQuil for that, but I'll tell you what, if it's all going to get the job done at the end of the day, I'm going to sleep regardless. Yeah, but the worst part is when you draft Aaron Rodgers or overdraft him in a fourth round or fifth round or something like that, you're missing out on that crucial running back and wide receiver high-end talent, and that's what's going to put you behind because it's much harder to make that up than to make up quarterback. And even Roethlisberger and Rivers, I mean, those guys are just killing it. I mean, Matt Ryan's thrown for almost 5,000 yards two out of the last three years, and I feel like nobody's talking about that. <laughs> exactly. That's going to easily transition us into draft strategy. I wanted to share with our listeners how each one of us kind of looks at a fantasy draft, if it changes between half-point PPR, PPR, standard, dynasty, and kind of just some advice for people that may be drafting for the first time or aren't as quite skilled fantasy players quite yet for things to stay away from if they haven't necessarily bought your black book or don't win the copy that we're going to be giving away, they most definitely can at least take some advice here on our episode before they go into their drafts. But you just kind of mentioned staying away from a name brand kind of guy like Aaron Rodgers that early. And I think ADP, which would be average draft position, would be the main thing that stands out as why you wouldn't want to reach because you're going to have to draft him a little bit sooner. I wanted to ask you a few strategy points would be in regards to, like you said, picking a quarterback later, finding that same value. If you don't mind just sharing a little bit of strategy advice for some of our listeners. Absolutely. Well, look, that's what I think what makes relative position value and 
the Black Book so interesting and different is because it really is a unique voice and it really is a very practical way of looking at things where you're kind of taking the names out of things sometimes and you're looking really at what the productivity is. But more importantly, there's such a wash, generally speaking, about talent and format dictates how good a player is just as much as their talent does. So it's really getting into the specifics of that, understanding how to approach a standard league, how to approach a half PPR versus a full, how to, you know, all that stuff that I think gets grossly neglected in yeah. the search for discussing individual talents and players. But how about those individual talents and players inside of a specific format and how you could basically use guys like James White, who was terrific last year, who we were very high on, who, you know, had a nice RB2 season for the Patriots. Yeah. And a lot of people just never wanted to buy into Patriot running backs. Well, you should because... Because that's where they're going, and that's where that organization's heading. But for me, when you're talking about strategy, it's all about being league-specific and not doing that general wash of talent and making sure you're saying, okay, I want to make sure that you know these are things that are important to me and this kind of player suits this format better where I can get these kind of guys later in PPR. Last year is right. a great example. There was such a great amount of depth and talent between low-end wide receiver one and high-end wide receiver three. This is like this glob of talent that was practically the same player. And there was no reason to reach on any of them. Just let the market come to you. And if you did that, you got a lot of great running back depth. You probably got a decent tight end. And then you were able to get all these guys and just make do in PPR with those, that group. And I think that's how you look at it. Whereas this year, it's a little different. This year, wide receiver three into four is a big drop-off because right. there's so much youth now. Yeah. So it's a very different pool to be looking at. And I think that's how you got to tailor draft strategy. Very, very highly league-specific. That's what the Black Book does. I love that. And Adam, I know we kind of share a little bit of strategy every single podcast, at least leading up to the draft. Wanted to hear a little bit about what you're doing with your drafts and a little bit of advice for our listeners about drafting right now. Yeah, I agree with Joe. You kind of got to know your league and know what you're getting into before you decide what strategy you want to use or what position you want to pick from. I think you'd either want to take one of the first four picks if you had the option to get Kamara, McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon, one of those guys, or I wouldn't be opposed to waiting taking a late pick, 10, 12, 11, whatever, and waiting and seeing what your other league mates do to see if they reach on someone, take anyone who's not supposed to go there to reach on someone who gives you a value later on. So I think waiting and taking that 10th kind of 11th spot maybe this year could pay off just because there is going to be a lot of depth in wide receiver and not so much running back, but there are guys who can really pop who are fringe second round, third round guys like Devonta Freeman, Carrion Johnson, they might be a little third, fourth round guys, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Those are guys who could be the number one. So if you could get like a Joe Mixon and a, like a carry on Johnson, Joe Mixon, Phil Lindsay pairing, those two guys could really take you over the top because you waited in the draft. Now you have Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins paired up with these two pretty good running backs who have the potential to be great running backs. Right. For me, a little bit of advice. You stay away from quarterback early. I don't care who comes up, Mahomes, Rodgers, doesn't matter. You stay away and you wait till later on to pick a guy like Stafford or pick a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who I ended up getting later on in drafts last year, almost won me my league by having Ben Roethlisberger just throwing the ball all over the place. You can wait and get a quarterback. Another thing is go running back first if you're early. Always, if you can go running back first, do it. But you have to let the board come to you. If it comes down to it and you have an amazing pick right there and Devontae Adams is in front of you and there's no other running back you'd rather have on your team, you take him while you have him right there. I think like you guys just said, it's going prepared to each draft, not just going in 
with I know which players I like, which teams I like, who's good, who's not. With a tier program, actually going in there with the Fantasy Black Book, it's going to help you to when you're sitting there in round four and you look at your tiers and you got a tier one or tier two guy that somehow is still there because the people in your league don't know how to play fantasy football. You'll know that because it's in your tier. You'll know exactly how you had it set up. Going in organized is definitely going to help you. If it's a free league and you're just on ESPN trying to just get some experience, have fun. You don't really have to take it that seriously. I would recommend taking it that seriously from the beginning. But once there's money involved and you're playing with friends or playing with colleagues where it's getting extremely competitive, you have to come correct and take it seriously and actually prepare. And if you don't want to, take the time to grab material from a guy like Joe or guys like us that are taking the time to put that together and just get the tier program right there. Get literally a perfect draft handed to you on a platter. You can just sit back and act like you're the best fantasy football player in the world, even if it may be your first, second, or third year. You're just coming correct. You're coming prepared with the right material and the right mindset. And that's how you're going to win fantasy leagues. Make sure you're coming prepared. We had a Twitter poll that we put out for you guys. Which you liked better? Standard, half point PPR, full point PPR to ask what you guys liked. And it was actually pretty close. Full point PPR won this at 39%. And standard got second at 38%. So 1% difference between the two. Half point PPR being 23%. So I'm just going to open that up to ask you, yourself, Joe, which of the three you prefer and why, and if you agree with our listeners that PPR takes the cake. Well, I prefer the Superflex, obviously, because I don't understand why the quarterback position, the most plentiful, the one that is the most crucial in the NFL, is completely underutilized in fantasy. It's ridiculous. And John Lobb and I are on this mission the last five years to make Superflex kind of the new industry standard that everybody should be playing in, whether you want to call it OP or whatever you want to call it. And if you're playing in a 10-team league, I encourage everybody to make it a two-quarterback league and challenge yourselves because people bitch and moan a lot about injuries in football. But you know who doesn't get hurt that much? The quarterback. You know why? Because he's protected by the rules, which is great. So it puts a new wrinkle and it opens up for the philosophy. It allows you to overcome catastrophic injuries and still be competitive and give me a full point TPR super flex and I am a happy camper oh so many points so much fun to watch it's like a slot machine in Vegas just lighting up but seriously I prefer the PPR standard to me I'm just kind of ho-hum it's just I, I, I play in everything because it's my job and I need to do that. I need to challenge myself to do all those things. But right. to me, I just don't understand why we're fighting over and then eighth, ninth, tenth round over 100-point running backs when there's 200-point quarterbacks that are going to be floating on the waiver wire. It just makes no sense to me. 100%. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I like the super flex take you had there, Joe. My dad actually brought it up to me. The first ever league we did, I did it with my dad, and we did a super flex. And it was even before I, I knew it was called super flex. I just thought it would be cool to have two quarterbacks. So my dad actually came to me this year he's like hey we should do that two quarterback thing we did about five years ago and i was like okay yeah maybe we'll do it so you know you're really starting to get your father is smart you see you see (laughs) all of us dads are smart we don't get enough credit i'll be participating in my first super flex league this year actually i excellent just agreed to join that with a couple buddies of mine. So I'll be in super... I have played in two quarterback leagues before. A 10-team, two QB league. I did that last year. A lot more fun. You got to be extra strategic when it comes to two quarterback leagues. It's so easy to just get that star quarterback. You know, get the one guy. But to have to fill in a second quarterback week in and week out, it's a lot harder than people think. It really is. It's well, not only that too, but like the, I'm the jerk in the room who goes three deep on that roster because each of those quarterbacks are going to have buys and I want to have that 
taken care of. If I'm relying on quarterback to be a productive position, I don't want to have two weeks where I'm missing out. People, I think, also take for granted that, you know, just because the season takes a long time to roll out and play, you got one shot a week at winning. And I think you need to really focus on that and really concentrate as much as you can and making sure that not only if you have that third quarterback, not only does it help the buys, but also weakens the pool for everybody else and it creates a relative position value advantage because what happens is you now have a QB1 who's better than the fantasy league average QB1 and you draft another quarterback one as your second quarterback well percentage wise you've just raised the bar there too and you're going to have a weekly advantage over most teams too so it's about building roster strength not about filling roster spots. Right and just one more I guess draft advice working off that would just be making sure you're paying attention to bye weeks because if you draft two quarterbacks in that league with the same bye you're royally screwed so i know some you people are. it's do not, not a good idea in that, not in that format now exactly so <laughs> that's a bad look pay attention i think, think bye week should only depend on the position though like quarterbacks and super flex yes but once you're getting into like wide receivers i mean it's bad to get four wide receivers on the same bye but if you have two wide yeah, receivers two running backs on the same bye three you know you can squeak by right. or even just take the one loss for that one week yeah that's can, it fine I, with that I, I want talent you know i don't worry too much about bye weeks but you're right in that specific format right you have two great quarterbacks and they're both out the same week that's brutal no i completely agree that's all we have for you guys today on episode 16 of ffb unwrapped we were going to do a few rankings but me and adam both did ours last week with our guest i know joe has a lot of his tier program in the fantasy black book that we're going to be giving away to a lucky listener after this we'll put out some contest rules so you guys can win that it'll be awesome and it was such a fun episode i want to thank our sponsor gamble sports the network sponsor for unwrapped sports if you go download their app on itunes or android it's a sports betting site totally free they're doing NBA playoff competitions right now. They're going to be bringing back the football competitions once the season starts rolling around. So make sure you're playing that. If you didn't play the Super Bowl competition with us, I don't know what you're doing. We all made a ton of money. It was all free. We're real good friends with the people there at Yamble. So make sure to go download Y-A-M-B-L-E Sports. Yamble Sports, go download it on iTunes or Android. Thank you to our guest, Joe Pisapia, at Joe Pisapia 17 on Twitter, author of the number one selling fantasy Black Book series. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, my man. Oh, I appreciate having you. It was a blast to talk to both of you guys. Anytime you want me back, and keep an eye out for that book, June 1. We drop on Amazon, then we'll be on iTunes a couple weeks after. But if you don't want to wait, you can always get that Kindle app. But June 1, that's our target. Got a great group. Very proud of the work that they're putting in this year. Heck yeah. For Joe, we hope you join our Unwrapped Friends Fantasy League. We're going to be putting together with some of our other buddies as well. Hopefully, you're able to join that with us, and we're all able to play maybe a Super Flex League this year. We'll discuss it afterwards yes, we'll, there we go we'll, we'll definitely, there we go we'll I'll definitely get, figure I'll get something out to run it for free for you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man thank you so much for joining us adam a pleasure as always episode 16 i wanted to remind you guys to listen to us on the podcast.com website or apple podcast app if you're on the apple podcast app make sure to leave us a five-star review much appreciated helping us out and make sure to follow us on twitter at ffb unwrapped Follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB. Like I said, our special guest Joe, JoePCPS17 on Twitter, and our network page at Unwrap Sports. Check out our website at UnwrapSports.com as well. All types of great content on there. Contributors sending out some great work. Adam and I are hyped to get our rankings up on our website pretty soon, and we'll hopefully have some guest rankings on there too. A lot to come from us here. Video coming up soon before the season starts, so keep on the lookout for Fantasy Football Unwrapped. Adam and I are going to keep bringing you guys all new content here. We love you guys. Thank you for listening.